Okay, thank you for joining us for another episode of the Bulls McLean Hour. This episode's kind of a movie mayhem. Movie mayhem madness. Movie review. Movie mayhem reviews. Movie mayhem and madness. I went through, uh, I got I got a bunch of movie reviews, a bunch of like sort of uh, uh, movies that I, I mentioned that I talked about. I'm going to go through some of the movies that I've watched during the scamdemic. I have recorded some various uh, thoughts on movies, and uh, who cares? Who gives a fuck? Movies, mayhem, and madness, and television programs. All right, today's episode is sponsored by Punk Pop Portrait. Punk Pop. Pop, Fuck. Fuck this stupid ad promo idea. Punk Pop Portraits at MattWillisJones.com. Go to Punk Pop Portraits, mention my podcast, and receive 50% off everything. 50% off. That's not true. It isn't true. He's not a sponsor. He never has been. He never will be. Punk Pop Portraits at MattWillisJones.com. Fuck you. I hope you all die in a fire. Hey, this is Dan Destro. I'm Billy Noise. And I'm Johnny Savage. And we we are are the the Savage Savage Kind. kind. And you're listening to the Bulls McLean Hour. Yeah! I don't know if uh, any of you are out there watching on um, Hobo Max, HBO Max, but there was a... uh, there was a miniseries on starring Kate Winslet called... God, what was it called? I kept calling it Mayor of Winningham. And uh, it's called... Is it East... Mayor of East Town? I kept, I kept thinking it was East Land or East Lake, the schools that are d- depicted. And you take the good, you take the bad, you take them both, and there you have the facts of life. But the show was called... I believe it's called Mayor of East Land. I kept calling it... Mayor of Winningham, and my girlfriend kept saying, "Why do you keep calling it that?" I go, "Well, Mayor of Winningham, it's it's all I, I think it's I think it has a better ring to it than Mayor of Eastland or whatever East East Side, East Lake, Eastland, East Mayor of what the fuck was that show? Anyway, I called it Mayor of Winningham, and she's and I, and she says, "What does that mean?" I go, "Well, it's Mayor of Winningham." She's like, "Who's Mayor of Winningham?" And I said, Mary Winningham is the only unattractive person in the movie St. Elmo's Fire. She didn't like that very much. She said, what? That's not cool. And I thought, what? But but she probably is. She's the most forgettable cast member. No one thinks of Mary Winningham. When they think of St. Elmo's Fire, they never think of Mary Winningham. They think of Rob Lowe. They think of Demi Moore. They think of Emilio Estevez. They think of Andrew McCarthy. They think of Judd Nelson. They think of Ali Sheedy, they think of Andy McDowell, and they do not, they do not think of Mayor Winningham as my girlfriend has seen that movie a number of times and didn't even have any idea who the fuck she was. Anyway, I said she was only unattractive, and she said, that's not, you can't say that, you you shouldn't say that. And this is about uh, maybe 15 or 20 minutes after we had both watched the trailer for... um, the Wild Bunch, 70s movie Wild Bunch. 70s movie? 
I think Wild Bunch is actually 1969. I always think of the Wild Bunch as being very 70s, but it's but it's actually still 69. Kind of like how I think uh, Beyond the Valley of the Dolls is a 60s movie. I just always think it is, and I, and I always have to remind myself that's from 1970. It only... Uh, it, it, it's just a little stuck uh, far back, but this is a little stuck further ahead. This is Sam Peckinpah's um, Wild Bunch. We watched the trailer. I think it was on Criterion. It had like, uh, Lily had like a day or a half to stand on. She's like, I've never seen the Wild Bunch. And I said, I popped in the trailer. And uh, the trailer for that movie, not unlike the movie itself, the trailer for uh, Wild Bunch clocks in slightly under three hours as well. It's like a long trailer. She didn't know anything about it. And uh, during that trailer, she just kept going, ugh, a bunch of ugly men in this movie. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, they are. I took zero offense to her noting the unattractability of the cast of, of the Wild Bunch. I, I certainly understand that young ladies, or probably old ones, are pleasuring themselves thinking about Ernest Borgnine or Warren Oates. Or even uh, Ryan, um, Robert, Robert Ryan, for that matter. Or even, uh, who's the alcoholic that's in that? Who's Mr. Um, who's Mr. Sunset Boulevard? Uh, whatever is fucking. Anyway, she was going, she went on and on about how ugly every guy in that movie was. And I laughed and said, yep, no argument there. But once I made one wise crack about the most forgettable. I should have just said the most forgettable, but I want to say the least attractive person in uh, St. Elmo's Fire, which that's that's provable in a court of law. I think you could find a jury of my peers to agree. Apparently, it's a hate crime to say that a woman is unattractive who is less attractive than the sea of cast that's in that movie. Uh, all attractive people in that movie, that's what makes it so realistic. I really feel bad for those uh, white people with problems in that in that great, great movie that is St. Elmo's Fire. No, it's not. So anyway, yeah, mayor of Winningham, mayor of Eastland, East Lake, East Town. East, I think it's the mayor of East Town. Anyway, it should be called Mayor of Winningham. That's what I like to call it. And it drove her crazy every single time. You know, uh, I guess I want to say early, no, mid-summer 2019. I can't remember if I talked about this on the podcast. Would I have? Maybe not. God, I wish I did. This was I, I, The podcast didn't even exist then, so I didn't. But there was a, a post by Scott Vincent James Bayo, known to his enemies as Chachi, known to his friends as Chachi. Uh, and he had posted one of these sort of outrage, I guess, uh, I guess, was it a post? Was it an article, I think? And it was uh, for the movie The Hunt. The Hunt. Now, The Hunt is a, um, we'll just call it a retelling of the classic Most Dangerous Game. And it stars this um, this Amazonian Barbie doll, Betty Gilpin. Betty Gilpin was uh, she was in Glow. If you saw that series, it was a fun fun show. 
Um, and uh, there's a few scattered people you might recognize. It 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 seems like Emma Roberts is in the movie, but that's a ruse. She's not in it very much. She's in. She's all over the trailer. You you feel like she's all over this fucking thing. Anyway, just let me get. What am I? I'm, I'm off track here. It's because I'm not drinking alcohol on this one. Drinking coffee <clears throat> with some caramel flavoring. Um, so in the hunt, the hunt. All right. So there's a, there's an outrage post by Scott Vincent James Bayo, and uh, he uh, just this whole thing. You know, basically the premise is that there are quote unquote elites who are hunting quote unquote deplorables, and I believe the original title of the movie is called Red State, Blue State, or perhaps Blue State, Red State. Don't remember, don't care, don't matter. So there was a fervor through the Republitards. It's probably not, probably not a very nice name to call them. There was a fervor on, on the right that this was outrageous. And if you can imagine the outrage the uh, spectacle it would be if if we released a film where we were hunting liberals. This is preposterous. This film shouldn't come out. I mean, they were canceling this movie. All right, this is now. I think I was right. So it's 2019, and I and it was and this is midsummer, and it was set to release September. 27th 2019 so there's like maybe mid to late summer uh chachi posted something and i was all over that board i wish i had all the notes and things because i was I, I just couldn't believe like why don't you wait to see the movie before you start crying you fucking snowflakes see what i did there so uh so the hunt and i'm kind of like i was actually kind of half who gives a shit it's blumhouse i'm kind of on the fence about that I'm actually less on the fence. I actually do like their work. I mean, obviously, they did Get Out. Uh, if you know, you can look them up, but they do, they're kind of, they can do a shit ton of sort of straight to VHS styled crap, but then they can put out Get Out. Uh, they did Us, obviously, this, the follow-up to Get Out. They did The Siege. Is that what they're, they got? all those Siege movies, which gets pretty political. Never seen a one of them, so I assume I don't like them. And um, and and so they they put out this this hunt, and you could see from the trailer uh, the premise. They heard the premise, and they just lost their shit. Your idea is incredible. I can't argue with that. We pay for everything, so this country belongs to us. It's just business, hunting human beings for sport. They're not human beings. <laughs> Every year, a bunch of elites kidnap normal folk like us. Where'd they get you from? Wyoming. Mississippi. Orlando. <laughs> and hunt us for sport. Hurry, hurry, hurry up. So it's true. We're being hunted. Hey, what are we going Donald Trump. Donald J. Dipshit, our president at the time, 
tweeted about how much of a, an outrage this movie was. This is fucking and it's, it's kind of like just on a very cursory level. You're like, oh well, uh, liberals, elites, the Hollywood elite are hunting inbred hillbilly knuckle draggers. I can tell you who the good guys aren't in that movie. You could just smell the plagiarism of Most Dangerous Game right off the bat. And I was like, and they're crying and they're trying to say it's some double standard. And first off, let's see this stupid fucking movie and then cry about it. Let's see this movie and then just like let it go away because no one can think about something for more than a week. And I, I honestly, I just kept you know saying, hey, this is pretty, pretty obvious that and at first, there's a trailer, um, and uh, I, I know the trailer was a little misleading. You kind of felt like maybe uh, I don't know. It's a little misleading about who's the good guys, who's the bad guys, and good old boy people were going to be hurt by whoever. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. So anyway, a big fervor about this movie. People, I mean, just people just just pontificating on and on. I'm like, oh, the, the, you know, this has been done. No one's rooting for Rector Hauer in surviving the game. I mean, except for Trump supporters, probably. <laughs> I don't know if you ever saw the Ice-T version of this movie that came out in about 1996 or 7. 1996 or 7. Surviving the game, Rector Hauer, Ice T, came out in 1994. Thought it was a little, thought it was a little more recent. It stars Rector Hauer, Ice T, F. Murray Abraham, and uh, pretty sure uh, Gary Drug Abusey is in it too. And they're hunting. They take old uh, Ice T, classic cop killer Ice T, out to a cabin. A bunch of um, a bunch of honkies take Ice T out to a cabin, and I think they premise him. Oh, I think he's a homeless guy. I'm like, hey, we're gonna feed you, and you're gonna have some fun. And then it turns out, all right, you're gonna get a five minute head start, and then we're gonna come after you, shooting at you. And all the hilarity ensues after that. Needless to say, you know we're not we're not a, when you're watching the most dangerous game. You're rooting for the hunted, not the huntee. And in this, in this case, the hunt is... Uh, I wonder if they have to buy the rights to that. They got to, like, buy some kind of... Because I, I think the most dangerous game has got to be... It's not old enough to where you are able to just uh, public domain it. I think you have to have some kind of um, legal acquisition of, of the premise. So hunting the game, uh, set to come out uh, probably September twenty seventh. They they thought here here's a good way to really capitalize on all this free publicity. They delayed it as if the fucking knuckle draggers won. You know they basically they, we're going to postpone it. September twenty seventh, twenty nineteen. You know what? You know it'd be great. If we released it, if we hyped it and hyped it and had Donald Trump cry about it and uh, everyone else in, in the, that camp, Scott Baio, Kevin Sorbo, you know, the, the the four or five minimally talented actors that are uh, Trump supporters, 
We'll have them whine and cry about it. We'll release it during during a gap, like February and March. It's a terrible release time. Shit, don't make no money. They kind of hit big because they actually they actually released Black Panther, Marvel's Black Panther, around the and it made a killing. It cleaned house in a February. Fuck you, goddamn Facebook! Stop making my noise. I'm gonna turn off this thing. I don't fucking stop. You're hurting me. Okay. Um, do this. It doesn't matter. So I'm in the middle of a thought here. So that that stupid area right after Christmas during Valentine's Day and before Mother's Day, whatever, before Easter, they're like, we're going to clean house. We're going li- to coast off the hype here. And um, they even put on the, and they said, we're going to re-release it for March 13th. It's a perfect time to release this movie. There is a lull in attendance. And this will be, and it says in the poster, the most talked about movie of the year is one that no one's actually seen. And The Hunt, oink, oink. March 13th, perfect release date, 2020. Oops, that didn't work out. Blumhouse actually, I think, only made, they they really coasted off some fumes because they released The Invisible Man. I believe in... I believe they did release Invisible Man, which stars um, the, the the Visible Handmaid's Tale woman, and she and so that did that started to make money, but they had to retract and go to pay per view and do it. So the hunt was on the hunt. So and so that they've had they have a poster, most talked about movie is the one no one's ever actually seen, The Hunt. Decide for yourself, September 27th, crossed out. March 13th. And peppered with some reviews and uh, some sort of quotes. Gory, violence, demented and evil, dangerous, a sick movie. Just playing into it. Boy, oh boy. But um, they they need another poster where they cross it out and then they put it, because I can't remember, it, it got released on Hobo Max. I'd say about a month ago at this point, sometime midsummer, and uh, I want to see that poster. March thirteenth or September twenty seventh crossed out. March thirteenth crossed out. July third, you know, fingers crossed. So they, um, so they released the most dangerous game starring the girl from the wrestling show. Anyway, the movie is uh, pretty funny, and like I said, like right up there. Uh, knuckle-dragging alleys. I mean, right up those dumb dumbs alley. It's, it's like they're the heroes in it. The bad guys are the Hollywood... I can't remember. Hillary Brandatina Swank is in it, as I, as I like to refer to Chad Lowe's husband. Um, now, I don't know. Did you know that she's married to Chad Lowe? I found that out when she won the Oscar because uh, she won the Oscar for... Um, Boys don't cry, and then they cut to her husband, and I said, "Holy shit! She's married to Chad Lowe." Hilary Swank is uh, in the shadow of of Chad Lowe. Chad Lowe is uh, Rob Lowe's brother, 
and he was in a show called Spencer in the 80s. Check it out. So, yeah, the, what, 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 where, am I, where am I going with this? So the most dangerous hunt surviving the game knockoff came. Anyway, it's pretty funny, pretty funny, pretty fun. And again, there is a lead character that is potentially apolitical, certainly. It is about these sort of gathering of the deplorables, and we don't. We certainly know the source of that and who that's referring to. Yeah, you know, just just watch it, boys and girls, and just watch it. If not only to make the star of Zapped angry, sad, confused, and disgruntled. Yes, inform your Republican friends and family members that you watched The Hunt and you rooted for Hillary Swank the entire time. You were so upset about the downer ending when um, <laughs> when uh, gorgeous Lady of Glow comes in and kills the good guy who was Hillary Swank who dragged all these people to where was it Central Eastern no Eastern Europe somewhere in a fabricated Arkansas town and said so stupid as a terrible ending because I thought I just wanted them to be able to um here in the glorious state of Arkansas sweetheart show those uh just yeah so that's right. Kind of has a downer ending if you're a part of the liberal elites, such as I am, uh, and say, ah, fucking Hillary Swank killed at the end. Fucking bullshit. So, yeah, check out The Hunt. It's a good time, good time, good time. So another movie I popped on, if you go to Tubi, Tubi plays all this old 80s teenage tits and ass comedies and me and my girlfriend watched most of it I, I think I watched she didn't she watched half of it called going all the way teenage sex can lead to a lot of problems emotional stress family conflict unplanned pregnancies so each of you must ask yourself this very important question is an hour of physical pleasure with a lifetime of remorse. How do you make it last an hour? <laughs> and in classic form, some 30-year-olds playing teenagers are trying throughout the motion picture to go all the way. Much like I did when I was in high school. I was very often in high school <clears throat> not going all the way. But going all the way, we watched it um, kind of late night. Is that an 82? Uh, going all the way, and I remember I was, I was like, uh, I saw it in the, uh, I remember I popped it on, I go, is this, I was kind of like half like, is this the one? Oh, it's not going all the way. It's going all the way. 85 minutes long, directed by Robert Freeman, written by somebody named Jack Cooper, and 
Roger Stone. This is from 1981. <clears throat> There's a poster. The funniest movie about growing up since Porky's. I think Porky's came out after this, so they, they had to retread on that one. So going all the way, it has the fat guy, has all the sort of um, staples of the animal house exploitation. Eileen Davidson's debut. God, I hate it when there's a trivia. You're so excited and it just lives up to its name being trivial. All right. Featured in At the Movies, Teenage Sex Movies, 1983. Monica is tagline. Monica is holding out, but he's holding on. The main thing about this movie is, in, but in the middle, it has classically transphobic scene. So going all the way, exclamation point. Yeah, I don't, I don't have any trivia for it. I don't have anything to say about it. There, oh, there's a great transphobic scene. Two guys are drinking beers, uh, driving around, something like that. There's two girls in a Volkswagen bug pulls up next to him. Holy shit, Artie. Hey, look what's next to you. Hi. Uh, you girls wearing pantyhose? What? Oh, never mind. Listen, you want to drink some beer? Not exactly. Well, what do you want to do then? Follow us, maybe you'll find out. And they say something to them, and the girls kind of shrug and just take off their shirt. They're like, "Oh, all right." And then like, the girls say, "Come with us." They're they're pounding beers and they're driving a Volkswagen Bug with the roof down. And they pull into a side parking lot of some kind, and they both pair off. Which one do you want? I like the one with the dark hair. <clears throat> with these beautiful women. Why hasn't it been this easy before? Uh, no, shut up, man. Shut up. Man. Give them some credit. They know a couple of studs when they see them. Come on. <laughs> and one's making out with one of them. And he's moving his hands down, down, down. And sure enough, he kind of pretends to feel something in her pants and says, hey, so-and-so, what does he say? Hey, Artie! Artie! Artie, this, this girl's got balls! This girl's got balls! This chick's got balls. And then they both realize they're both making out with uh, trans people, played by untrans people. And uh, cuts to them gargling with beer and spitting out onto the ground. They're they're in front of, a, I believe, a liquor store, pouring beer and gargling with it. God damn, God, the big ass. The big ass is tugging my mouth. So, let's see here. Going all the way. Wasn't a very good transfer. They didn't have a great transfer on it. All right, here you go. Here's a letterboxed, um, letterboxed, is that what... It's um, it's a letterboxed review by somebody. <laughs> Women playing characters have no names, doing multiple nude scenes for no reason. That's debatable. Now, what you're saying is girls are different from boys. Not as much as you think. Speak for yourself. Yeah, girls get migraines if they don't keep doing it. <laughs> don't they? <laughs> Do you see, question mark, male characters played by 30-year-old actors insisting that when a woman says no, she means yes. That is 
probably true. Monica doesn't go all the way soon. I don't know what I'm going to do. Well, you do what I do. You don't take no for an answer. Do you see? Question mark? Says it again. Casual denigration of anyone who has the audacity not to be a man and white. Um, for the record, according to the thumbnail, the reviewer of this is male and white. Do you see? Question mark? Yeah, he keeps saying that. Do you see? Huh. 100 minutes of your life spent watching an entirely humor-free slog. Do you see? Question mark! Exclamation point. Uh, edited to the ad. The Foley work for the kisses in this is fucking repulsive. Hmm. He didn't even bring up the. Uh, he didn't bring up the um, the transphobic scene. All right, here's somebody. Tubi fan. Oh, film fan, 1970. I have watched loads of teen sex comedies from the 80s, but never seen this one from 1981. I had fun with it. What does that mean? Uh, pretty low budget. Some bad acting thrown in. Usual non-plot of a high school student. Again, look, <laughs> looked over 30. That's correct. Getting past about not getting anything from his longtime girlfriend and his mate who is getting it giving him who is getting it giving him advice that usually don't work for exclamation points lots of topless scenes some chicks who ain't what they see some randy bird arguments some randy bird arguments and everything else that's the normal a pretty rough film that was made better in the years to come <laughs> worth a watch for sex comedy fans that is correct Somebody gave it four stars. Teen horniness is not a crime. Swing wild and low budget at this point before the rough edges were sanded away later. Genre models with some semblance of realistic situations and dialogue. Hey, do you think my boobs are getting any bigger? Why? Well, I've been trying positive thinking. Maybe I should send away for one of those bus developers. Why don't you try a padded bra? Oh, Monica, you know that bras give me a rash. All right, well, you know, you can watch it or not. My spoilers. It's on Tubi. Monica is holding out. He is holding on. Monica, what are you doing? Breaking up with you. I've tried fad diets, powders, pills. Still, my weight's been up and down like a yo-yo until the AIDS plan taught me how to take off weight and help keep it off. AIDS may taste like a candy, but AIDS contains one of the most effective appetite suppressants you can buy. And there's no stimulant in AIDS that could make you nervous. With AIDS, I ate less, so the weight came off. To help keep it off when I sometimes want things loaded with calories, AIDS helps put me in control. Let the AIDS plan teach you how to take off weight and help keep it off. Try peanut butter AIDS. Oh my God. Oh my God. I just went on an entire rant for several minutes. And I looked down and I wasn't recording it. Fuck. Fuck you, me. Fuck you, me. 
Fuck you, me. All right. God damn it. Okay, another one on my list is um, through Tubi. This is recommended by a friend of mine, Heather. Uh, the show, Now, my friend Heather had never seen this show before, and I saw it when it came out. It was from 1975. It was called Family. It starred... Um, uh, what's her fucking name? Christy McCullough. Christine McCullough. Wait a minute. Why do I not know? What's going on here? Christy... You dumb, dumb. Everything's dumb. Christy McNichol. Christy McCullough had beautiful blue eyes. One blue east, the other blue west. Christy McNichol. Boy, oh boy. The fucking brain just froze. Uh, it also had Quinn Cummings. Quinn Cummings was the precocious young brat in the movie Goodbye Girl. I believe she won an Oscar for that. She was a young child. The family was on till 76, about 70, no, family's on from about 75, no, 76 through 1980. And uh, it's all, I think all seasons are on there, and I skipped right to season like four or whatever. I skipped to the last season. I think I, think I saw one that was season three, and uh, it was about like a guy managing a rock band. And he, he does some blow and fucks everything up for everybody. But even better is I skipped right to an episode with a young Michael J. Fox. And Michael J. Fox, who always looked like he was 14, really looks like he's 14. This is like four years before Back to the Future. Maybe two or three before Family Ties. He was in the, he was in the show in 1980. Probably credited to Michael Fox. So Michael J. Fox literally looks like a little boy. And he's got a crush on the lead mother. The mother is a teacher at his school. She's a teacher at the school. He's one of the students. And he is very attracted to her. He's got a big crush on actress Seda Thompson. And I know it's probably not right to say this, but not realistic at all. Seda Thompson is not remotely attractive, per se. She's not attractive. There's no way that a guy who is probably learning about himself, gross, uh, would be attracted to her. Really, really kind of a stretch. And that's saying, man, I will... Uh, I think the fucking going back in time, DeLorean, uh, Jim from Taxi, Time Machine, Teen Wolf, all more realistic than Michael J. Fox being attracted to Seda Thompson. Seda Thompson was born in 1927. And I don't know what Seda Thompson looked like in 1947 maybe she was a stunner maybe she was maybe she was smoking hot um in 1980 in the show family not so much not so much and i stand behind that
We alone? Alone? I mean, is your husband lurking about? My husband doesn't lurk. He practices law. Right now, he's with a client. Oh. Well, I hope he doesn't like champagne. Why? Because it'll be flat by the time he gets here. Richard, you're 14 years old. How did you buy that? I bribed a wino. They're really very nice people if you give them a chance. For the champagne. You don't open champagne with a corkscrew. Boy, older women sure can teach you a lot. Richard, it's very kind of you paying me all this attention, but I'm a married woman. I'm far too old for all of this. That doesn't matter. Kate, we were meant for each other. We both like the same things, music, art, literature, cream cheese and jelly. How did you know that? Sometimes after school, I look in your garbage to see what you had for lunch. Oh, what you have is a crush. It'll go away. No, it won't. And neither will I. I'll follow you everywhere, Kate. Nothing, I mean nothing, will keep me away. Except maybe your daughter. Until tomorrow, dear sweet Kate. Oh, man. There's just, there's just no way. She's not even, like, she looks a little like a less attractive Rosie O'Donnell. I know we're not allowed to say that shit. All right, so, say to Thompson. Not uh, not not a cutie pie. So didn't believe the uh, Michael J. Fox having a crush on her, who who literally looked like a tiny little boy. He just looked like a tiny little boy. It's not realistic. Don't think so. Don't think there's too much there. I don't think there's a. So, by unpopular opinion, not allowed to say these things. But seriously, there's no fucking way he would find her attractive in this episode. Season four, I suppose, 1980. Michael J. Fox, family. Uh, is on for five five or six years. But check it out. Family. It's on Tubi. You can just skip. You don't have to see... You don't have to marathon it. You can just skip season one. I think they recast the, the daughter. Ironically, a little uh, side note, a little sidebar here, is that one of the daughters and family is Meredith Baxter Bernie, who was not in the episode with her future son, Michael J. Fox. That would have caused a paradox. It would have been like uh, one of those big explosions that you see when um, uh, Ron Perlman gets pushed into Ron Perlman in the movie Time Cop. That's the best part of that whole movie, though. I do love that scene. Um, so yeah, check out family. Uh, ironically, another thing I checked out, we saw the movie, uh, we saw the series, which is on Netflix, on Netflix called, well, it's the, um, it's the Betty Broderick miniseries. Betty Broderick was a crazy woman who, who just obviously had some serious mental issues. Uh, it's based on a real story. She, I guess, was, um, she dated, she she was married and had three kids. Anyway, it was very good. It was on Netflix. She went nuts. She drove a, um, 
uh, one of those Suburbans. Is that what that was? The the huge SUV from the 70s. She drives it right into the front door of a house because she's mad at her ex-husband who's divorcing her because she's increasingly um, abusive and a crazy person. So in addition to the very rewarding and very good, the very uh, Brady Broderick story, which I believe is part of the series Dirty John. I think that's what it's called. Uh, check out, and I believe it's on Amazon Prime. You can see, uh, you can see the Betty Broderick story from 1991 that stars Meredith Baxter Bernie. It's a two-parter, two movies right in a row, and worth it. You know what? I'm lying. I've only seen the first half. We can't keep meaning to see the other half, but I, I would say check it out. It's it's a it's a fan favorite. They call it a. It's kind of like a Lifetime movie, only it's not. It's before they made Lifetime movies. So her, A Woman Scorned, there's two. Let's see here. Um, Meredith Baxter Bernie, most known, not, oh, Meredith Baxter, which she is. She's no longer a Bernie. Yeah, it's one of her top ones, A Woman Scorned, the Betty Broderick story. Uh, it stars Stephen Collins, who is... Uh, He's Decker from Star Trek. He took over the Enterprise, I guess, right after Kirk or a little bit after Kirk. Um, he's in it. And you just kind of think to yourself, oh, yeah, that guy did the bad thing. He, like, flashed an underage girl or something like that. The exposure happened a couple of times. A couple of times? You told me I once. You know, I said on the list, it happened several times. I said on the disclosure. Several times? Several times? It happened... With a 10-year-old. Okay. Well, you know, it was, she was 11 and then like 12 and 13. Interesting enough, Meredith Baxter Bernie and Stephen Collins played each other's spouses before in All the President's Men. Okay, uh, today's one-star review of strip clubs. We got a well-known, uh, a well-known club featured in the movie Showgirls. Formerly, it's the Cheetah Club. I believe it's the Cheetah Club, and uh, now it's called the Library, the Library Gentlemen's Club. I don't, I don't know why that's it, but that's it. I don't know why that's the new name. Okay, so I, I'm not sure which which is which. This is from four months ago. Jubal, Jubal, Alejandro. Four months ago. Do not come here. This place is a waste of time and money. The girls just want to give you the most money convincing you based on lies. The girls just want you to give them... All right, the girls just want you to give them the most money convincing you based on lies they offered me something oh, they offered me something more than a dance I paid $400 <laughs> Jesus and of course all the services was only talk and a little dance oh that sucks I did not receive anything better than that he also offered uh, offered to see us when he, when we left to meet later and even I think they meant she I did not receive anything better than that she also offered to see us when we left to meet later and even then all that was a lie just like everything else 
I lost more than 700. Oh, jeez. Jeez, you Alejandro. Brandy Fitzpatrick. Six months ago. Yeah. Visited 2221. 2221. 2221. Um, February 2nd, 2021. One of the worst clubs I've ever been to. That's saying something, and I've been to more than I can count coast to coast. I had high expectations for a $20 a person, $10 for local. None of the women here are interested in making dollar signs since it was close to, quote-unquote, closing. Yet, they can choose when they close. Yet, they can choose when they close. Women are not dancing. What am I paying for? Jeez, this is... uh, Bars do not charge entry. No girls came and said hello. They were busy sitting, talking to each other, or, in quotes, doing private dances. Had a couple drinks left. Will not be returning. The club is beautiful inside. What a shame. The girls don't want to make three dollar signs. Zero, zero stars. That's Brandy Fitzpatrick. I'll say this to Brandy Fitzpatrick. Um, okay. Oh, Jesus. Vecturon Graysteed. Uh, I don't know. I don't know when this was. The, the guys I, um, the guys and I went there 11, 26, 20 for Thanksgiving, and we're only going to have some drinks and throw some ones, maybe get a couple of lap dances. Turns out, the private lap dances, which is the only, let's see, which is the only way to get a lap dance there, are. Supposed to be 120 with tip included. Two out of three of us got charged 200, and one of us got charged 180. Huh. There were supposedly rates for 30 minutes. There, there were supposedly rates for 30 minutes. I was in the back of the room, maybe 15 minutes. To be completely honest, it was only three songs. That's about yeah, it's quite, three songs. It was about 11 minutes or so. I don't know how long the songs were exactly, but they could have been more than. But they couldn't have been more than three minutes long. Yeah, they could have been more than three minutes. The song's about three and a half minutes. I don't know how long the songs were, but they couldn't have been more than three minutes long. So to be clear, if you go here, you'll be charged two hundred for pretty much a single lap dance. The quality of said lap dances aren't particularly great either. Good luck to you chaps out there. Sideways smiley face. This is Marilyn Devine. There's a lot of ladies here. Justin is rude and unfriendly. Too bad, because this place seemed just okay. Nothing special. Joseph Serrano. No girls and management was extremely rude. All right. Chris Perez. This is seven seven months ago. Worst strip club I've been to in my life. Nobody wanted my money, but whoever collected it at the door, but whoever collected it. All right. Not very interesting. Angelina Iovino. Three months ago, I would never work here or come as a customer. This place 
is a hole in the wall and they discriminate. Hmm. I wonder who they're discriminating against. Here we go. Uh, Glenn Garafano. A year ago, a cab driver said, I took a ride here. So they paid the management. Knows me 20... Jesus fucking Christ, dude. A cab driver said, I took a ride there, comma. So they paid him. The management knows me 20 years. They know I drive a new Mustang every year. I told management I never took a cab anywhere in Las Vegas. They they told me 86, exclamation point. If Jack was alive, this would not have happened. Management should be confronted. Management should have confronted me and the low-life cab driver. One time for you, Jack. What happens in the cheetah stays at the cheetah. And here's the um, here's a response from the owner. Glenn, I want to apologize for the experience you had and thank you for being a loyal customer to cheetahs. This is definitely not something that should have happened and we want to invite you back to give us another chance. I believe this incident may have happened before we fully took over the club at the end of 2019. But either way, we are sorry and hope you come back to see the new interior and see if we can help you to have a better experience. Thank you. All right, that was a year ago. Went there for a good time. I was drugged by the staff and they stole, literally stole my money. Do not ever go here under any circumstances. All caps. Here's one. It's somebody named Eric. A year ago. We went here last night for my batch for my brother's bachelor party, and we were the only people there at 11:30 p.m. And the quality of girls was low, but at least they will send you a limo to pick you up and take you to their club for free. No, well, that's very nice of them. Response from the owner. Hi, Eric. You happened to come in right during a time when we newly took over the club, and now we've just completed a major interior redesign. We want to invite you to come back and give Cheetahs another chance and see what's new. Thank you. Derek P. I don't know when this was. I didn't, oh my God, this is a fucking nightmare. All right, Derek P. The P stands for penis. This place was horrible, especially since I went, I went here with the intent to spend money. They always say that. And I'm sure they did. A taxi cab took us here, just like they do to all the clubs in Vegas, which was expected. What killed me was as soon as we walked in, in parentheses, a group of three of us, we couldn't even sit down without multiple propositions. Yeah, that sounds... That sounds right, doesn't it? Um, okay. Can still even overlook that. Yeah, well, you should. That's I think that's part of the game, isn't it? We came in pretty sober. We had only one drink at the hotel and came over. I ordered bottle service. Sounds expensive. Sat down and had a dancer and waitress nonstop hound me for at least two hours to buy private dances for $385 for 30 minutes. That's not my um, it's not my cup of tea. 
I told her, no, I'm willing to spend money, just don't care to go into the back. Well, she was persistent. I noticed I was getting real, oh, I noticed I was getting really, really drunk, having only drank two drinks from the bottle. So I agreed to the uh, VIP dance for 30 minutes just so she would leave me alone. I purposely used an expired prepaid debit card. Good for you. I have had in my wallet for situations like this. It was declined. The dancer and door girl insisted my fraud protection kicked in and I should call my bank and have it lifted so they could run it again. I said, no, BS them. It was a small bank back home yada 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 <laughs> this guy's my hero after god knows how long the door girl got the hint and told the dancer to, to back off by this time my cell phone died and i couldn't use lyft to pick me up so i asked if they could call a cab and they wouldn't after a while the the doorman offered their limo service to give us a ride back to our hotel if i would just tip the driver after spending 150 dollars in cover for three of us, 300 in bottle service, we didn't even drink, and $100 just to get that girl to leave me alone, the limo ride home took the cake. It was a 1980s Chevy conversion van with suede interior. Laugh my ass off. After reading a few reviews, it prompted me to post this review. I honestly think that girl drugged me because when we got back to the hotel, my cousin and I blacked out and never made it to the room. We both woke up in the hallway on different floors in different towers. This seemed to be a common thing that goes by there, uh, that goes on by the reviews. Beware. I would say so. It's a coincidence that it would happen twice. Here we go. Enough is enough. 2009. Here we go. All right, motorcycle, go away. Enough is enough, 2009. Oh, and um, one review seven years ago. Avoid this place, four exclamation points. They will rob you, six exclamation points. After winning some money at the tables, my friend and I decided to go to the Cheetahs to have some fun. We walked in around 1 a.m. and the place was dead. There were about a dozen girls standing around and we were the only customers. As soon as we entered, we had girls swarm us. I think that sounds right. The girls that came to me, uh, the girl that came to me wasn't very pretty, but I didn't want to be rude. I tried to ditch her by going to the bathroom but she actually followed me into the bathroom for exclamation points. You just got me too, buddy. That's harassment. We went to the bar and eventually served, and, and were eventually served overpriced drinks. Mm, shocker. The strippers tried to get us to buy them drinks, even though they drink for free. The girl that wouldn't leave me alone eventually had her friend come over to join us. She was a butterface with a silicone body. It's the beginning of all, all good fairy tales. They eventually talked me into getting a private dance. I agreed after realizing these average girls were the best this dump had to offer. 
the strippers began asking for large amounts of money, which was a red flag, but I was feeling generous. I was up from the tables, I was up from the tables, and offered them a total of 600 for a private dance. Well, you're a high roller. They agreed, I handed over 600. Beforehand, I handed over 600 to the Butterface. I was expecting them to start dancing, but instead they just continued to badger me for more money. Ouch, I think it's supposed to, I think it's after, is that? Well, maybe not. Um, for the next 20 minutes, they tried getting another 600 out of me for the other girl. Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> it was the biggest turnoff. I eventually realized they were going to dance. They, I eventually realized they weren't going to dance, so I got up and left. I told the doorman I paid $600 for a dance and didn't receive it. He ignored me. I grabbed my friend and we left. This was the worst place I have ever had. Oh, I'm sorry. This is the worst. This is the worst experience I have ever had at a strip club. This place sucks and I will never go there again. Jimmy hadn't enjoyed himself so much in a long time. Then during lunch, Ralph showed him some pornographic pictures. Jimmy knew he shouldn't be interested, but, well, he was curious. What Jimmy didn't know was that Ralph was sick, a sickness that was not visible like smallpox, but no less dangerous and contagious, a sickness of the mind. You see, Ralph was a homosexual, a person who demands an intimate relationship with members of their own sex. But by now, Jimmy felt a fondness for Ralph, and they continued to go places together. Ralph was generous and took Jimmy many interesting places and did many nice things for him. I just uh, popped on a movie um, <clears throat> earlier this evening. I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's a safe assumption that the answer is no. Um, but uh, a movie called The Four Seasons, written and directed by Alan Alda, in uh, 1981. And I saw this fucking thing like I, I probably half dozen times. I probably saw it more than that. I probably saw it a lot. Uh, and I, I, I certainly watched it. I liked everyone in it. I liked all the I liked, uh, Carol Burnett. And uh, I, I, I never quite absorbed it. So I'm going to backtrack. Initially, I uh, recently I went on a on a on a little trip with um Four of my friends, uh, my girlfriend and uh, two couples, and then our, our friend who's uh, all alone by herself. And uh, we went to a lake house in Arkansas. We um, uh, in this beautiful uh, Arkansas lake house looking onto a lake. And at some point, right when we got there, I'm with these people. And these people are not into turning on the TV like I am. When I go to a new place, first thing I want to do is turn on the TV. And see what's going on. And these days, it's just on apps. It's just like it's, I turn on the TV and so. Anyway, and, the, and the recommendations came up. Uh, four seasons. Again, movie I saw as a kid, bunch of times. Thought everyone kind of saw it. I was with a uh, whole room of uh, nearly fifty-year-olds, uh, early, mid, forty to fifty-year-olds, five of us together, on this late on this uh, vacation. 
um, almost like the premise of this movie. And uh, I, I popped it on without the sound. And uh, while we were just sort of lallygagging around, and I can't remember exactly what, maybe we were whipping up some, some lunch or something like that, probably pouring a couple drinks, and uh, no, no one had known what the fuck the movie was. No one knew this movie, and I knew it. I already knew what it was. And uh, so I, um, and we were watching with no sound, and you can really, you can really absorb what's going on in certain scenes. The, the, the best is there's a scene where one of their friends basically dumps his old wife. He dumps his older wife, his age-appropriate wife, and uh, and then he's dating a younger girl. This is something when I saw this movie as a kid, I just thought they were all on one big long weekend and it took place. It actually takes place during four seasons. It's four segments of a movie, and they're in different seasons, and they're in different places. When I was a kid, I thought it was all one big long weekend because I didn't pay that much attention. So anyway, cut to, fast forward, stop, rewind. Um, so anyway, the earlier tonight I popped in the movie The Four Seasons. Uh, and, uh, and I remember, I actually remember having just positive uh, vibes about it. I think it's the movie that uh, was about adults when I was a child. I probably saw it when I was about 12, maybe 13, and uh forced myself to watch it because I thought this is what um, distinguished movie lovers um, this is what uh, what would the the, the word be um, this is what um, this is what sophisticated movie watchers watch is this um, Alan Aldham written and directed melodrama um, if you want to see the worst overacting you've ever seen in your life, Pop on about the first seven or eight minutes of this fucking movie, man. I'm not. I'm not kidding you, man. They are trying so hard. It is like children in a play who are in their tweens. It's so bad. And look, I, I get it, man. Making movies uh, not easy. There are themes. There are there are real emotions that that uh, an artist such as Mr. Uh, Allen fucking shut that goddamn chicken up, Alda wrote and wanted to convey and did and effectively shot shot beautifully uh but my god this movie just starts with the ham on cheese it was almost unwatchably like embarrassing for everyone involved and i know they think they're doing something great i think you know back then i don't know audiences weren't that discerning you're, you're, you're in a theater you're watching you're absorbed in it uh, but they're really, really hamming it up for this fucking movie. And the movie's about, what, six couples. They're all friends. They are borderline. They're in their mid-40s. Like six friends. Uh, it's in 1981, which is uh, very important. And it uh, these six sort of friends, this, this fat guy is married to Rita Moreno, Alan Alda is married to a very broody and unfunny Carol Burnett, who probably has about 11 lines in the movie. She's got next to nothing. Uh, if anyone out there knows who Sandy Dennis is, she's married to some guy, some other older guy. Guy I don't recognize in the movies. But this guy is the one that, that fucking uh, eventually has the heart-to-heart with Alan Alda. He's like, I'm about to dump my wife. I've been with her for 20 years. It's not going great. I'm going to dump her. And... Uh, Sure enough, 
the replacement is uh, 20 years younger. Bess Armstrong, 1981, her first role, Smoking Hot. Pre-Jaws 3, pre-Road, High Road to China. Anyone who had cable back then. Anyway, so we watched this. Um, night. I, I, of course, like every person who probably saw this, um, I, I forced my girlfriend to watch it. My girlfriend actually got into it, so she, she liked it. But it was, we were joking about how awkward and bad the acting was. And it's really bad. It's them forcing themselves to laugh at shit that's not funny. They're constantly overlapping each other's dialogue. Everyone is trying to upstage each other, and none of it looks real or natural. Uh, that being said, the transfer of the print was impeccable, looked beautiful, looked great. Uh, what would that be? 81? 40 years later? Looks great. I uh, jokingly typed into my now-watching group, uh, basically, I said, this movie smells like white wine spritzer and Chex Mix. That's that's what I thought. It reminded me of my folks. And that's what they smelled like in 1981. White wine spritzer, Chex Mix. A good four to five uh, Manhattans. <laughs> it's, it's very predictable. We knew everything, every scene for scene. We knew what was we knew what was going on. We knew what was going to happen. We just guessed it right off the bat. We literally rattled off. It was so obvious. Oh well, he's going to ditch his wife. Oh well, he's going to be the one who has a younger girl, and everyone and all the wives are going to not like it. And they didn't. This is something you could actually uh, tell if you saw if you watched this with the sound down. You didn't need any. It's probably a better way to watch it on Netflix right now. Alan Alda's best movie, maybe. Uh, it's the Four Seasons. It's uh, it's 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 not remarkable. It is so pretentious. I said to, at one point uh, in a post, it's 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 it feels like a movie that is directed and written by the character Alan Alda plays in Crimes and Misdemeanor. And I'm not joking, man. Jesus Christ. Amazingly douchey. Fucking middle-aged dramedy. Emphasis on the drama. De-emphasis on the emedy. It wasn't that funny. It was no Woody Allen. It was not as funny as claims of misdemeanors or as evocative. If it bends, it's funny. If it breaks, it's not. Did not follow the advice uh, that his future character in Cries of Misdemeanor would have warned him about. This was a lot of breaking and uh, not enough bending. Bender. So uh, yeah, check it out. It's it's, it's on um, it's on fucking what's that called Netflix? Try it, try it out. Just fucking watch that stupid fucking movie. There's too much out there. Can't keep it all in there. Friendship can be sympathy and warmth. How come everyone thinks I'm paranoid? He's the Muhammad Ali of mental illness. Jealousy and rage. I'm not paying for this. This is your expense. Happiness and laughter. It all depends on the time of year. Is this the fun part? Are we having fun yet? Alan Alda and Carol Burnett in The Four Seasons, rated PG. Starts Friday at a theater near you. And 1980s masterpiece, Gorp. Mixed fruits and nuts gorp gorp is a what i call meatball exploitation it's a knockoff of meatballs it is capitalizing on animal house 
In a recent statement, leading members of your community have condemned a new motion picture entitled GORP as being totally unredeeming and offensive. Here, in a rebuttal, is the producer of GORP. And it is so bad. That one popped up on Hulu. That's available on Hulu right now. And and again, like before, the transfer is impeccable. It looks beautiful. I've never seen it look so beautiful. I remember in about 2006, some friends of mine were passing around a VHS rip of that. And like, look at this fucked up movie. And it's just a fucked up movie. It's not good, but it's not bad. It's a product of its time. But Gorp stars Michael Lembeck, son of Harvey Lembeck. It is directed by the guy that directed Dreamscape. Also contains the star of Dreamscape, a very young and awkward Dennis Quaid. Pre-Meg Ryan Dennis Quaid. PJ Souls era Dennis Quaid. If I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong. Hope I'm not. So, Gorp, uh, 1980, available on Hulu. Watch it. You won't thank me later. It's pretty painful. It's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. It's a movie that uh, promotes itself to being too shocking. It's just shockingly bad, but that's got a very young Fran Drescher and uh, the Big Lebowski, the guy that's not Jeff, um, Jeff, what's his face? The Big Lebowski, the Big, Big Lebowski, the one that's not Jeff Bridges. So check it out. It's the house that Animal House built. Gorp, Gorp, rated R, barely earned it. There's not even that much boob in it. It's probably more boob than, to be fair, more boob than, um, Meatballs. I one time had an argument with a guy in a bar who claimed there was nudity in meatballs. And I was like, there's not. I'll bet you. He still has not made good on that drink. But I stand behind that. There isn't a stitch of nudity in meatballs. There's not much nudity in Gorp, but there is, you know, there is a bunch of male butts. There's a few mooning scenes in it. So for you ladies... And I did make my lady watch it as every person, every female of the species who ever saw Gorp saw it the same exact way as my girlfriend did. Then there's a lot of that great 1980s. Oh, my God. That's so inappropriate. You could never get away with that now. Yeah. So Gorp. So, yeah, check it out. Four seasons available through Netflix for a limited time. I can be aggravated, infuriated, frustrated, vexated, and irritated. Keep that damn chicken quiet. If it's if it bends, it's funny. If it breaks, it's not funny. So you gotta get back from the pain. You see what I mean? Written and directed by Alan Alda. Can't remember if I mentioned last week or not, and uh, if I did, forgive me. But on iTunes, I received five stars. Five stars back in October. I believe they heard Halloween episode. Okay. Here's my five-star review from somebody named Buddha Frog, 10-30-2020. Well-produced, good sound, Interesting stories. Well, thank you very much, Buddha Frog 2020. Buddha Frog, back in 2020. I'm sorry it went so long. 
without being recognized. We appreciate it. Go ahead and click on the five stars um, and write a review for this podcast while you're at it. Don't don't waste any time with this. Do it now. Do it now. Thank you, Buddha Frog. Oh, and I've got a message now. I finally got a voice message on my anchor account. Bulls, great show. Love your podcast. Listen to it during work. Keep up the good work, man. See, that was Paul. That was my buddy Paul. Paul knows what's up. He listens to this while he's supposed to be working. Good for you, Paul. Good for you. Go ahead, people. Leave me a message. Filmbenderradio at gmail.com. Anchor, anchor account. Go to the anchor account. Leave a voice message and you can be a part of a show. Tell me how you really feel. Or lie. I don't care.